So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. Today's guest is a special one. He's my friend, Josiah, and I'm so excited because he just released a book, and it hit number one in Amazon. So this is this is going to be a really good podcast. He is doing so much, um, and for all of you that are looking to get into real estate or trying to figure out how to take your real estate to the next level, this is the podcast for you. And so with that, Let's bring him straight in. Welcome, man. Thanks, man. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, AJ, your podcast is one of my favorites, so I am uh, I am honored. Man, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. Thank you. I appreciate that, dude. And two, also, same for you and your podcast. I love what you're doing, and it's helping so many people. And, you know, we're starting out here into this new year, and I know people are just craving for knowledge because it's the time to make changes. So the more quality knowledge that's getting put out there, the better. And uh, it's one of the big things I try to make sure is, is you know, that the guests that come on, I, I'm totally okay on my podcast not having any guests on at all because I'm very protective of the information. And so I make sure that when the guys that come on that I personally, you know, I know, I know what they're saying. And so thank you for coming on to share with our guests Absolutely. Um, yeah, everything that you're doing. So why don't you go through here? I, I mean, First, tell these, tell everybody who you are and how you got into this yeah. crazy real estate game, and we can go from there. Yeah, so I'm Josiah Smelser. I'm the host of the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. I started the podcast because, first of all, I was a huge fan of Bigger Pockets, and I actually met AJ through a real estate mastermind that Brandon Turner did this summer in Hawaii, and I got to meet a lot of really amazing people. Uh, we had an incredible experience down there, but. Um, that's how AJ and I met. But anyway, I'm the, the host of the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. I started that podcast because I wanted to share my journey towards financial freedom through real estate investing. I'm kind of a mixed bag of been doing it for a while and, and just getting going because I started investing in 2004 and built up a port portfolio. Then, then I sold all of it, went back to school, paid all my debt off went and hiked the Appalachian Trail. I just, dumb luck. I did that right before 08 happened. And so I, I, I watched all that from the sidelines. So anyway, fast forward, you know, I've always loved real estate investing. And anyway, I was, I was a college professor for a couple of years, taught finance, I taught a real estate class. I'm also a licensed appraiser. And so I was working for CBRE, started off in residential, ended up with CBRE doing multifamily appraisal. I was the apartment specialist, the mobile home specialist, in my office at CBRE. And I did that because I want, one day wanted to own apartment complexes. I was also interested in mobile home parks and that kind of thing, but finally decided to make the jump and leave, start my own appraisal business and also start my real estate investment business as well. And so I had this idea, I want to start a podcast to number one, share my journey and help others along, along their journey as well. And then number two, I want to connect with people like you, AJ, and learn from you guys. And the podcast has probably been better for me than anybody else. I mean, it's really, it's really challenged me, stretched me, and grown me. And it's, it's been one of those things, you know, when I first decided to do it, I'm like, man, I don't really have experience doing this. But man, it's been, it's been really good so far. And I'm really excited about what 2020 has to offer. And, you know, your episode, AJ, was one of my favorite episodes. I loved your story. So 
Thanks. Well, yeah. and, and you know, it's funny for those of us that do podcasts, things like that. It it, and it is, and there, I think the reason why, and those that listen to podcasts too, the reason why this is so important is you learn very quickly that knowledge is the big differentiator, right? For those Absolutely. that are successful and for those that take control, the only thing that I've ever found that maybe I probably think two things is work ethic and knowledge. And those go hand in hand because the people yes. that have good work ethic work really hard and go the extra mile to do things that even maybe don't generate an ROI, right? But they spend so much effort, time, and money to get as much knowledge as they can from qualified people, from the people that Absolutely. are out doing it, because not all knowledge is created equal. It's really That's definitely not. true. And, you know, as a professor and things, you know, that especially in an information age, most of the information out there is, is bad. It's just not good yeah. information. Totally. Um, so, you know, we go to great lengths and it, it does, it pays off in, in mass dividends, but. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of doing things that stretch you and grow you and make you uncomfortable. Right. Yes. So the college professor thing, I, I naturally thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm 30. I just turned 39. I felt young to be a college professor. I didn't have my doctorate. I just had my master's degree and they had me teaching seven different classes. And, um, these weren't easy classes. I mean, some of these were like managerial finance, international finance, and it's some complicated stuff. And I thought, this is pretty intimidating. This is going to stretch me. But what it did, it forced me to get up in front of people and talk for an hour at a time, multiple times a day. And that, that stretched me as, as a professional as well. And I'm just a big fan of stretching yourself. I don't think you can, I don't think you can really put yourself in a situation where you're going to really do yourself too much harm long-term if you take on things you haven't tried before and you, and you do it in a way that's calculated, not, not stupid, but I, I mean, the podcast is another thing. It's just stretched me and it's been good. Like you mentioned the ROI, like people ask me, oh, how much money are you making off your podcast? And I don't even advertise right now. Do you advertise on your podcast? No, I make, yeah, I don't even advertise. <laughs> and you know, t t Tim Ferriss gave the advice. If you're going into podcasting to make money, I don't know that you should go into it because mm -hmm. He said, it's going to take you years to build your podcast up to the point where you could actually monetize off of advertising. Now, the guy's bigger pockets, obviously, they're, they're monetizing through advertising. They have a massive listener yeah. base. But for me, the ROI on this is the relationships. And that's where, it, that's where it's paying off massively is like getting to meet guys like you. And, you know, I met Brandon Turner through my podcast. And so, yep. yeah, I would encourage people, if you have an interest in starting a podcast, do it. You know, I mean... Yeah. And you, you can fail while nobody's listening to you. I mean, you're, you know, yeah. if you, if you screw up your first few episodes, it might be just be your mom and your, your, you know, your spouse <laughs> listening to you. Yes. So it's not really a big deal. So. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think that this process of stretching yourself and doing things, this is the, that is very fundamental in the opportunity creation process. Creating is not normally a comfortable thing. It takes lot a lot of work and you know it's funny because I was talking to somebody about this when you, a lot of people when they start real estate investing they think okay hold on I'm gonna put how much money down to make a hundred dollars a month on a little house or something <laughs> like that and they're sitting here going and then plus that I got to do all this work associated with it and they almost always never do it because they go right that just doesn't make sense they go I make so little 
And right. as I tell people, I'm like, really, it's not about the ROI when you're first starting out normally that you make. It's about the education that you're getting from it to figure out how to build upon it, create processes, procedure. And that's investing and that's business. Up front, yeah. you give everything and make virtually nothing. <laughs> and then in the end, you make tons and you have freedom. Yeah. And it's that's not comfortable. That requires you to take risks, not only financially and time-based, but also pride-based. You know, you can look stupid. And yep. for us, we get on this podcast, and I, I don't know how many episodes we've uh, put out now, but I bet you every single one of them, somebody has said, AJ, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And that's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I live with that, and I, I understand that, I you know, you're putting yourself out there, and, but that's that's part of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, st I think stretching yourself is the key, man. That's the key to, especially in this real estate thing. I mean, if you stayed in your comfort zone, you wouldn't buy any properties. Never. I mean, the, fir the first one's terrifying. The second one is, is not quite as scary as the first one. But when you decide to move from buying one at a time to buying five at a time, that's scary. To yep. 10 at a time, that's scary. To doing what you've done where you're buying a Kmart, converting it to self-storage, that's terrifying. And, you know, what you, what you kind of find is like surround yourself, if you backfill your knowledge gaps with people that can give you good advice, you can pretty much tackle just about anything as long as you've got the right people around you to help infill that knowledge gap. And, so, and sometimes you're just never going to know everything when you go into it. You have to learn as you go. Yeah. That's part of the excitement of the whole thing. So Well, and it's so funny, too, because people always, you look at it and they want the end result. They're like, well, if I could have bought a bankruptcy for Kmart yeah. AJ, I'd be in this game too. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Just, you're just so lucky. You, exactly. just, you just, you just happened upon that. What a deal you just happened to find, you know, you created that deal. Exactly. That and I'm like, sitting, how long was that thing sitting there for sale? Five, you... six years. Exactly. So for six years, people drove by that real estate investors drove by that and didn't recognize the opportunity that you recognize, you know? And that's well, so funny how that works. And and two, it's also funny because it's like you you were never around when we were buying our first teeny facilities. Right. And two, exactly. the first ones that we didn't make money on and all of the businesses we had to start on the sidelines to make money to put into <laughs> something else. We were, you know, it's this huge process where our yep. first facility basically made no money. And we, you know, that was from our own mistakes, which that's why we're yep. starting podcast now. Don't make these and just go straight to make right. money. But it, it is, it's a process. And you're right. Yeah. The first leaps are hard. And the second leaps, you know, I have asset classes that uh, or size of assets right now that I buy and I don't even think about it. I got a call from, um, I was up, uh, we actually had our managers and we were in like a resort community and a broker called me up. This is asset, gave me the information. I just told him on the phone, we're buying it. Just don't ever take it to market. We're buying <laughs> awesome. it, right? But then we have other it. ones that I'm like sitting here today and I'm I'm going over the information. I'm sending it out to like 15 people. I'm making phone calls and I'm like, this is a big deal, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh man, um, let's make sure we get it right. So it, yeah. it's a process. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was listening to uh, Michael Blank's podcast and he had Grant Cardone on there. And they talked about, you know, Grant Cardone's big on this 10X thing, you know, thinking big and then, trying to 10x your your goal so you force yourself to scale up and think a lot larger and michael blanc brought up this comment or something that had happened with grant where uh grant's mentor said well you know you're working on a 500 million dollar apartment portfolio deal right now why not why not a, a 1 billion dollar deal and grant was like that can't be done you know and uh and michael blanc said well it's funny because even grant cardone's got a limiting belief and Grant said, you're right. It's totally wrong. It can be done. He said, I just in my mind, 
that was kind of where I topped out, you know? Yep. And it's, it's funny because the concept applies to all of us, you know, where in your mind do you top out? Like yep. I started off topping out and thinking like, well, one property is scary, yeah. you know? And I remember talking to you on the trip and you've got a sizable portfolio. We're similar in age. I mean, you're just killing it. And I'm like, man, like I, I got to adjust my mindset and think bigger. You know what I mean? And you, you brought up a point that I loved, which was you need to grow both, you know, vertically and horizontally with your growth. Don't just grow. Don't just buy one house, then another house then another house, because that's, that's going to slow your growth as you go. If you, if you grow both vertically and horizontally, that's where the, the dynamite is. So I love that. Yeah, it's true because I think a lot of people get stuck in that horizontal growth, as you were saying before, when it comes back to what you said, it's that comfort thing. Growing yeah. vertically is usually much harder because you have to take yeah. on more than you knew the time before. And so yep. consistently growing vertically while growing horizontally means you're doing what you did in the past, but at the same time, you've got to stretch yourself and do what you've never done before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that never ends. And if you look yep. at, you know, I think all successful people's line of projection, let's call it, as they're going through, that vertical growth is still happening today. I love this idea of progress. I've been up, I, I kept, my wife gave me a financial journal. Maybe you do this. I don't know. Do you keep journals? Yeah, I do. I, I'm not as good about writing everything down as I should be, but I, I have, I, I, you know, sometimes I'll just get out my phone and I'll make little audio recordings. Yes. So I, I journal, I journal that, I journal that way. I'll also get in my email and I'll do some voice to text while I'm driving and email myself things to remember. to remember. So I do it. I don't do it as structured as some people. I get my journal out right every day. I've tried that. I'm just not as good at it. But, I don't do it every day uh, either. I'll yeah. do it a few times a month. But yeah, uh, sure. And sometimes I go six months without doing it. But it is yeah. kind of cool looking back and what what you thought was possible, like you were saying before, yeah. looking at my journal and the first things that I open and seeing how you're figuring out things. And yeah. you're looking at it going, wow, this is my thought process. And this is that limiting belief maybe here or what I thought that was totally wrong. And then seeing what, ch how that has to change throughout yeah. your life to get to the next Absolutely. level. Um, Absolutely. fascinating stuff. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, you're asking me about, you know, my story and, you know, how I, how I segue into this is, the limiting belief I had was I can only do as many deals as I have equity to do. And we went on this mastermind uh, trip. We were talking about what is your bottleneck? What's holding your business back? And I identified, well, it's, it's my equity. It's the amount of equity I have. I'm only doing, you know, and I'm, I currently own a, a portfolio of about 3.5 million in single families. So nowhere near AJ, but we've done most of that in the last 12 months. But what was holding us back was we had a certain amount of cash. Every time we would go buy a deal, you know, even if you're, even if you're using hard money, they're going to want 10% loan to cost on the deal. So, you know, if you're buying a, let's just say a hundred thousand dollar property and most of ours are 200,000, we'll use 200,000. There's 20 K right there. Then you've got closing costs and holding costs. So that might be another 10 to 20,000. So each deal's mopping up thirty to forty thousand dollars of cash until it's refinanced. Well, you know, even if you've got two hundred k, that's only five deals at a time, and you want to keep money in reserves as well. So I identified this: this uh, the equity was my bottleneck. Well, somebody mentioned, "Why don't you use some private money?" And I was like, "I don't know why I haven't been doing that. I should be doing that." You know, honestly, the limiting limiting belief in my mind was it's going to be hard for me to find private money. 
the first person I talked to about private money said, yeah, I got, I'll lend you some money. And we figured out a deal that was a win-win for the, the private money lender. And for me, they gave us 200 K and we were off to the races. And that like, that just completely removed this bottleneck in our business. And it was a limiting belief that I had that was completely untrue, but it's, it's funny how that was actually holding me back. It was all in my mind. You know, it's funny to me because when I look at your example, which is an amazing example, you went to the mastermind, obviously, and you went through that whole process. But not only did you change, you acted upon it fairly immediately, it sounds like, too. Yeah. Um, yeah and then <laughs> you immediately opened that door and you did probably then after that what would have taken you, what, two years oh, yeah, to do yeah. before? Yeah, we were doing 10 at a time after that. You know, before that, we were doing one or two at a time and always had this kind of, you know, or like, do we have enough in reserves? Because, you know, when you got two deals going and you're not exactly sh- you're not sure where your appraisal is going to come in on your refinance and all that, like in scenario one, we were, we were kind of like playing this. We weren't, there's people who don't invest at all. So we we're, we were playing more aggressively than them, but we weren't playing as aggressively as we could have. We're over in scenario two, we're able to buy the property with the, money from the first loan at 90% loan to cost. And then the, the private money comes in and layers in the, the, the next 10%. So we're able to buy a property and do our value add with none of our own money. And then we use our money to service the interest payments. And then if we've done the whole thing right on the refinance, on the, you know, the burr, if you will, on the refinance, we get all of the first and the second loan paid off. And we own that property with 25, 30% equity. It's cash flowing. And we didn't use any of our own money except for the interest payments. And so far, the majority of these have burned out and refinanced completely. And it's been a, a game changer. And so I tried, I've been on my podcast yelling like, hey, you guys got to go out and try to get some private money to do this because this will change your business. It's, it works the same way and, you know, even scaling up. I mean, I'm sure the same principle, it's, it's a lot more money you need, but I'm sure the same principle would apply when doing a self-storage deal. You know, the bank's going to only lend you this much if you can find private money. And it's really syndications bringing private money in to to cover that other gap. Two things here that you got. First, I want you to explain the burr part. And then I also want to talk about uh, getting money after that. So remind me because we'll get side. Yeah. But uh, explain to me, uh, explain to burr for those those people listen to it may not know. Burr is a, a term that Brandon Turner of Bigger Pockets coined. It's buy, rehab, rent refinance and repeat. So very basically, you're hopefully finding a deal that's got some value add upside to it. You buy that, you're getting the thing renovated and fixed up. You get it rented out, you go do your refinance. Hopefully the goal is to be, you know, a lot of lenders will lend you 75 or 80% loan to value based off the appraisal. So you get your appraisal done. Hopefully on your refinance, you're at 75 or 80% loan to value or less, and they pay all of that all of that initial investment back if you're doing a cash out or off if you borrow the money to do it. And it allows you to basically cycle your money over and over and over to build a portfolio up. And it's it's been going on for a long time. The, the term Burr came about recently from Brandon, but it's a great way to just summarize this process of value add investing. And it's it can be applied to single family properties or things like self-storage apartments. I mean, you know, in an apartment complex, you're looking to buy it, get it fixed up. A few years later, you know, do a refinance, give the investors their capital back, hopefully, and own the thing on the house. I mean, it, it applies to, to other real estate investment assets besides just single family houses. 
absolutely. It's it's a concept that I think most you know serious investors look at, and one of the major reasons it's important for everyone that has limited capital is you need to get that capital working. So you need to create upside in the property as opposed to getting just a flat return because the flat Absolutely. return just doesn't do it enough to uh, reallocate capital to compound. It's, it's really is, you know, the velocity of money and how, how fast your money can work for you and move. And those that are looking to grow a portfolio to really move quickly, the burst strategy is, is the way to go. It's how we've done it in self-storage. It's how it's how yep. most people do. We, you know, you can take your money back out and repeat the process. Now, on to other people's money. I've talked to a few people about this, and this was a limiting belief that I had. Um, and I think most mm-hmm. people do. Because it comes down to things, I think, like control, or you're scared about losing it, all sorts of stuff. But when I started looking at it, for all of you listening, so I don't want to raise money. Well, if you're going to a bank, you're already raising money. Yeah, exactly. That's already happening. So you're already yeah. using other people's <laughs> money. Um, it's just an, another method and means to work with banks and other people's money like your own. And that's what real estate is. At some point, real estate is an OPM game, um, other people's money. If you aren't using OPM in some way, shape, or fashion – then you're just not going to get far. And I've yeah, I talk totally. a lot about this. Is that is what the economy is? I don't care if it's stocks. I don't care if it's equity. Everything else like that. It you, it's the economy aggregates and disperses money into the hands of those that use it properly. Um, sure. So the more you use it, the better you use it. The the more it transfers. So talk to us and walk us through your experience now moving through this. You have how many properties? that you've got under contract. You kind of set it, told us how, how it was set up. Um, yeah. Has it gone well? I mean, this, is, this yeah. is new. Yeah, it's gone great. We've got 15 properties right now, one duplex and 14 single family. I think, I think it's 16 doors, one duplex, 14 single families. We started off, and you may say, well, that doesn't sound like a lot of properties. That's intentional. We started off buying these you know, $40,000 properties and we quickly found out that it costs the same amount of money to replace a roof on a $40,000 property as it does a $200,000 property. If they're the same square footage, I mean, yeah. and um, so the, the cost, the CapEx involved in the cheap properties is, is a much greater line item, relatively speaking, on the small stuff than it is the big stuff. So we decided, do we want, you know, if we want a, a $5 million portfolio, you know, of, of $25,000 properties, we're going to have to buy a whole lot of houses. Uh, you know, whereas if we want a $5 million portfolio of $200,000 houses, that's a lot less. It's like almost 10 times less houses. So we're like, okay, if we're going to own single families, let's buy quality, high quality, little cash flow that we can burr out of in areas we believe are going to appreciate. We have so many less properties to manage that it makes the management aspect of it so much easier. Like managing, 15 properties versus 100 is a completely different proposition. And that's the reason that doing what you've done and scaling into something that where you got a lot a lot under one roof, like an apartment complex, self-storage, that's the reason that starts making sense pretty quickly. It's all margin. Your expenses yeah. start to outweigh the revenue because the amount of expense to manage, fix, everything else like that of each yeah. unit, as opposed to 
concentrating them in one and you're just repeating or you're allocating the same amount of expenses like you mentioned. So that yeah. just goes to your top line. I mean, that yep. it, it just goes straight to you. I remember I had Brandon Turner on my podcast and I asked him, you know, what would you do if you went back and you started over? What would you do? And he said, I think I would start. I would start higher up the food chain and like multifamily or something like that. You know, he's investing in mobile home parks now, but it's, it's hard for you to start there when you don't really know anything about anything, but I do think it's smarter to go bigger quicker. And so we're kind of ready to put the brakes on buying any more single families. We're still doing flips, generate investment capital, but I'm working on an apartment syndication right now. Actually, it's a 54 unit deal. It's in Dallas, Fort Worth. We're, we're excited about it. We feel like there's a good chance the thing will close. It's not closed yet, but um, I'm trying to do my first syndication now. So I'm pushing for that vertical and horizontal growth as we speak, because I, I recognize quickly, I can't, I can't scale like I want to buying these $40,000 properties. So we bought the 200. Uh, we've maxed out on Fannie Mae loans. You can do 10 of them. Uh, and then we've got, we've got five more elsewhere, but it's quickly getting harder and harder to get good financing on the single family stuff. So we've got $3.5 million in value on about 15 properties. And we project that, you know, over the next 20, 25 years to double or triple in value. If you compound it out at the expected growth rate in those markets. So we, we believe that'll be worth 7 million bucks, you know, and, and I've got a business partner. We're happy with that for just those 15 properties, but I'm ready to move on and do some bigger things. So it's, it's worked great. But I would say, I, I think it'd be very hard to go from, I think it'd be hard for me to justify going from 15 to 100 single families, as opposed to go, you know, going from 15 single families to an apartment complex. Now tell, so, tell me about this apartment yeah. complex. So comparative yeah. to what you're doing now, how much is yeah. it, the value? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's $6 million, 54 unit. So it's double uh, your we, portfolio now. Double my portfolio, yeah. And it's... Um, you know, I would have to syndicate. And the funny thing is the limiting belief there is I don't know, I, I won't be able to come up with enough money, right? On the investment side, on the equity side. But the funny thing is I've made two phone calls so far and both have said they'll put money in and the returns are great. We're, we're going to try to do a 7% preferred return. Um, and then our, our internal rate of return after we get our value added and stuff done is like 16%. And, you know, it's, it's very competitive in the multifamily market right now. It's hard to find deals. And so, you know, we're running the numbers based off of near asking price because there's already people making offers near asking price on this thing. But we've, we've nailed our rent comps down. We believe we could get our rent up and lower some of the operating expenses on the thing, uh, increase our bottom line, our NOI, and then we're just taking the same cap rate and coming up with, you know, we're, we believe we could get it up to about $8 million in value over about the next three or four years. Then we refinance out and pay our investors back about 75% of their capital. And so they're getting that 7% preferred return the whole time. We're going to give them three-fourths of their money back in three years, and they still got ownership in the property, and they're getting rent, they're getting checks, you know, passive income checks on this thing. So we're trying to create a win-win there. I get to get take ownership of the thing, and they get to get good return on their money, and we like the internal rate of return so far. So, yeah, that's the goal. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great project. And two, also well, the area. The area is booming and will continue. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, I love the area. So, And, you know, we didn't even cover this. Tell everybody where you're based out of. Yeah, so I'm out of Huntsville, Alabama. So you're going to go uh, all the way to Texas to do this deal. And that, I think, can be a huge limiting belief for people. So yeah. <laughs> I, let's talk about your portfolio now. Where is it all based sure. out of? And yeah. why are you making the move all the way out there? 
I used to live in Dallas, Fort Worth. I lived in Fort Worth and that's where I started my appraisal career and my investing started out there as well. So that was back in 2004. So I started off in a residential appraisal. So I was going into all those neighborhoods all over Dallas, Fort Worth. And I did that for about four years. So I learned the area really well. And we ended up living out there again uh, after I left and went to grad school and uh, did the Appalachian Trail and all that. So I feel like I, I learned the area. So I've been following the area because I love that market. I'd probably still live out there if my family weren't here in Alabama. And I've been following the market closely. I believe it's a great growth market long-term. There's a lot of job growth, population growth. And so I just, I think investing in those, in, in the path of, of uh, growth is, is one of the best ways to build a really good port, real estate portfolios. So I've been looking here. I look here for, for multifamily deals and I'm looking there and I just happen to find one I think will work there. It's not that I'm opposed to buying here in Huntsville. I'd love to do that, but I haven't been able to find anything that makes sense so far. So, but of our current portfolio, we, we've got, let's see, I think three properties here in Huntsville, and we've got 12 of those properties in Fort Worth, Texas. The, the reason being, I got on a bunch of wholesaler lists, both here and in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I found that I was able to make the deals work in Dallas-Fort Worth and wasn't, wasn't able to make them work here. And so I'm just, I'll, our goal is just go where we can turn our money around and do this burp process. We're going to be in a B-class neighborhood. We're going to get, you know, what we think could be good appreciation over the next, you know, 20, 25 years, attract high quality tenants and be able to cash flow. And that's where we ended up. So it, it was honestly, as long as it's in a market that's growing and got, got population growth and job growth and stuff, I'm okay with investing just about anywhere. I can always get on a plane and go out there and look. And I haven't even been in most of these properties that I own in Fort Worth. So uh, this is great information. I, and I, <laughs> cause I know a lot of people live in markets where they're, they're, you know, I take California on and on and on where they're just like, it doesn't make sense here. I can't right, right. make this work. Sure. What would you tell people in that situation? You're sitting in the Bay area and yeah. it, you're like, I'm trying to get started, but I'm getting started in a $900, thousand dollar home which is you yeah. know 800 square feet and there may not be any value add to it mm. how do you find the deals you mentioned you got on yeah. wholesale list but mm. tell us your strategy you know I, I i just i'm trying to put myself in their place and i think you know if if my alternative is starting with a nine hundred thousand dollar property and i've got the capital to do that i would look for a multifamily deal in another area that's that's going to cost you a million bucks you know, and buy something that's already stabilized and go in and do your value add. You can, you know, what we did on our stuff in Texas, I live in, and here in Huntsville, you know, it's about 12 hours away. So we partnered with a guy that was one of my former students that was living in that market. He contacted me and wanted to get started in real estate investing. And he said he was willing to do it for free. Well, I said, I'll, you know, you can get started and work with us and I'll pay you for every deal that we close and that you run point on and manage the renovation on. And so we partnered up with him. So he was our boots on the ground. We had him going in our properties, checking these properties out, making sure our contractors were on schedule and things like that. So I would say all you really need is you need deal flow. You need to be able to find deals in that market. You need a way to check the value of those deals. So this guy that was the boots on the ground, he, he was also a real estate agent. He had the MLS. So we could comp things. We could make sure that we're getting a good deal on everything we're purchasing and that our after repair value is correct on our burr. As long as you've got somebody that can comp your deals and you've got somebody that can be your boots on the ground, it's really just like doing stuff here. In fact, it might be better 
because you don't get involved in it. You can't drive down the road and stay over there for four hours messing around with stuff, yeah. which has actually been a, a blessing. Like the stuff here, we spend a lot more time working on it because it's in Huntsville and I can drive down the road and go do stuff. And I end up probably spending time on stuff that's not my, it's not my highest and best use, the highest and best use of my time using appraisal term. You're probably the same way. Like you're, you know, I, Mike, Michael Gerber, right? Work on your business and not in your business. Yes. The highest and best use of your time is not going to be going out to a store, you know, some of your self storage and working on one of the doors. It's going to be putting the deals together and delegating that out. So it, it works the same with finding investment properties. And I think a lot of people overlook that. And I and 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 it's a good point because I think a lot of people say, no, I want complete control. That doesn't add to be a benefit most. I think actually more times than not. In fact, with us, and I've shielded myself away from most of those activities where I'm like, I can't even hear it. You have to go through channels yeah. to get that stuff to me. <laughs> it's like it, it drowns you. And two, it's not only is it not a best use, but also the person that I've hired now to do that or the individuals or contracted or whatever, it is, they're way more qualified than I am. So I'm yeah. actually probably being a detriment out yeah. sitting there telling that plumber what to do. That really doesn't help. And two, this goes really hand in hand with financial. Like we talked about financial freedom, and I, and I explained to people, uh, you know, a, a duplex doesn't buy financial freedom. A process to acquire duplexes and manage them does. And That's you great. need to be working on the process and the systems, not working on the item itself. This goes back to that horizontal plus vertical growth. Right. You know, we have the horizontal place, but then you also need to be working on that vertical. So that's a perfect mm -hmm. example is what you, you've done. You've got a process. You're you got. Well, it's two processes that you're doing. And I and I love this. First of all, you have the capital generation process, which I have the same part of a business. So let's say some people that's a W2 for you. It's house flipping. For me, it's been insurance. Then you have the other side. Right. Now you have the actual real estate wealth management side that's putting on deals. Right. But then mm -hmm. on top of that, you've created a process to buy, you find, buy, manage. Then mm -hmm. you're also stepping that up now. So you're getting other sorts of capital. You're buying apartments. Right. You're moving that process up. Um, yeah. And I, it, this is a this this process that you're doing is, you know, I and it's important for our listeners to know this is universal. I've never met anyone that's been successful and not done these same things. Mm -hmm. You you get out of it, you create processes and systems to repeat that allows you to grow, to scale. And it, the faster you can get out of the doing and mm -hmm. the managing and running it, the faster you'll get it. So efficiently getting capital than investing. You've got a great one flipping houses, which can generate you great uh, amount of capital. But even mm -hmm. if that's W-2 and do you have two incomes? Does your wife currently work? Yeah. Yeah. And my, I would say my bread and butter is my appraisal business. Okay. So, your appraisal business. So yeah. So, I, so yeah, I didn't even really talk about that, but so I'm, I'm, I'm a licensed agent. So I'm upgrading that to broker right now. I'm about to open a brokerage. I got that. That's bringing income. I've got the appraisal business and I'm very choosy about my appraisal work. You know, if, if it's a client that, that, needs a lot of my time for, for everything. I don't, I don't work with them. I've been very choosy. I've got some really great clients on the appraisal side. So I've got the appraisal income, the, the income from just basically brokering deals. And then I've got the investment stuff and going on. And you know, Brian Murray said this on his bigger pockets podcast. And I love this. This is what we do as well. We don't take a penny out of our investment business. We crank that all back in and reinvest in other deals 
And, um, and so I'm not living off the income from my real estate investment business. The flips are generating investment capital for yeah. more deals. Once again, this model is the same every successful person. So yeah. I have insurance. We have online companies. Um, we have startups. We have different avenues of income generation. Then we have our self-storage, um, right? And then we have our wealth protection generation. But a lot of people look at that and they say, okay, so Josiah, I can't do all those things that you're doing, right? Now, first of all, the how you get there is what we described before. You are working on your businesses, not in them. And like right. I tell people, I have to front load these businesses to get started. So, you know, sure. on my brokerage company I started, that spent a year of me working nonstop to get that <laughs> thing going. Like, yeah, sure. but, and then I hired people. I put systems into place to run it. Then I deal with top line issues like you. I don't deal with clients, mm-hmm. things like that that take a lot of time. Right. So I allocate maybe 30% of my time to that. If you work on building the systems and the processes, then you can repeat and then you can scale. And then you yep. can set up multiple businesses, cash coming in from there. You can put that into real estate, wealth, sure. plus uh, you, you get your wealth, plus you get the interest. But the people never spend the principal. And I love this idea. Right. <laughs> don't spend the principal because no. your principal can make interest. No, don't, don't kill the goose that's laying the golden egg, exactly. right? I mean, exactly. You kill the goose, it's going to make I mean, you know, Brandon talked about this. I remember one of the very first Bigger Pockets episodes I ever listened to. Brandon talked about, you know, he was wanting to retire, you know, retire early. And he got his apartment complex and he retired and he sat around for a few weeks and was like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, like, yep. and he realized that he was living off the profit that was coming off of his real estate investment. And if you basically live off all that profit, like you don't really have anything left. And so, you know, the, the game here, the way you win this game, as far as I can tell, based on all the people that have done it before me and been really successful at it is you reinvest those profits. You know, when you're getting 20, 30, 40% cash on cash return and your internal rate of return is like 15, 20% on these deals, you spend a dollar, man, you're hamstringing it. You spend a dollar of your profit on something, you're hamstringing your business long-term. So that, that, that so costs you multiple times. Oh, yeah. So yeah. And that's and so, like, you know, we, me and my wife, we've lived so far under our income always because I'm like, for us to to buy a car, do you know what that yeah. cost us? Oh, it it's not thirty thousand yeah. dollars. It's two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, or three million dollars. Three million, I mean, like, exactly. Yeah, no, think about exactly think about right. that, that growing over time. It's crazy. Go spend thirty thousand dollars on a car today. Put that in your put that in Excel and compound that out over twenty five years at a growth rate of four percent a year. You know, only four percent. You'll, you'll never buy person. a car again. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. that's why we're driving. I mean, that, we we bought a we bought a van. I bought a um a Honda van for my family for 2,500 bucks. And the thing runs just fine. It's nice. It's got leather seats and all this. We, we're still driving that thing. We looked the Kelly Blue Book value up on this thing. It's worth $500. Yeah. And the, the reason isn't because I like driving around in an old used car. It's because I want to put my money into this, into apartments because I see the growth rate and I know eventually the apartments will be kicking off so much money. We could buy a car and not even tell that the money's gone. You know what I mean? And we're not there. We're not even close to there yet. But I, I and I, you love Warren Buffett. I love Warren Buffett. He still lives in the same house he used to live in. He drives a modest car and he bought that airplane. And he, I can't, what did he title the airplane? It was, uh, it was like the, the undefendable or something yeah, like that. Yeah. What was the, yeah. yeah, it was something. Yep. He bought an airplane. He was like, I can't justify this because the return on this isn't really what it needs to be. But I love that model and that idea. And he's just basically reinvested capital over and over and over. And he's done the same thing you're talking about. 
talk about somebody working on their business and not in their business. I mean, they buy businesses and they let the guys run the businesses and they sit back and they study what other investments they want to acquire. And they're letting these other guys run the businesses while they're working on Berkshire Hathaway. I love that. And I know you're doing that same thing with your business. I think that's brilliant. And that's what I'm trying to do as well. Well, you know, I look at it and I, and I tell people, your business needs to do th- three things that is very, very important. First of all, your business needs to pay for itself. Obviously, Absolutely. it needs to yeah. take care of your expenses or anything like that. But then it needs to be profitable. Uh, or then it needs to or not be profitable. Then it needs to be able to continue that growth rate at a known rate of return. So let me explain mm-hmm. this real quick. Let's say that you have um, an Let's say you have an investment business that's apartments, right? And for every one of those apartments, and I'm just making up numbers here, uh, or houses, it's $1,000 a month. And you know, every year to grow, I need need $10,000 to buy a new one. That means you have to have 10 of them so you can get one more. So it needs to be profitable, pay for itself, but then it needs to be able to be reinvested back at a known rate of return. So that means you'll grow every single year. Then after yeah. that, it needs to be able to continue doing that forever at a high rate of return. Then it mm-hmm. needs to be able to pay for you. If your business, first of all, isn't profitable, it doesn't matter. But if it's also not reinvesting in itself and growing, then don't touch it. Don't take money right. out of it until right. it can grow and you're living off it and it's just propelling itself forward and you never have to worry. That is Absolutely. how financial freedom happens. A lot of Absolutely. people go and they retire because they buy a franchise or whatnot and they're making money of it, but then they realize I'm never growing because I suck yeah. all the money out of this yeah. thing. And then, too, yeah. the first time that anything happens in their business, they have to go out and get a job or sell the business because now their income's destroyed. And I'm yeah. like, that's a recipe for disaster. So yeah, you've exactly. got to get on the way where your business is operating, getting an ROI on itself and getting a good one has a good process to generate those returns moving forward. And then if there's something left over, you can have it. Absolutely. And, you know, I apply this to my own life. Okay. Uh, the appraisal side of what I'm doing, I'm really working in the business there because I am the licensed appraiser. I have to go to the property. I have to type the report up. I've got a, I've got an assistant that's helping me with that. So I'm, I'm outsourcing as much as I can. There's some of it. I just simply can't outsource. So what I, what, what my goal is, I'm going to get the brokerage open, do what you've done get people in there, create the system, get people in there to run that. So it's not requiring all my time. And I'm going to phase myself out of appraisal because that is working in my business and not on my business. The investment stuff, I'm working on the business. The brokerage, I'm going to be working on the business. Appraisal, unless I build an appraisal business and get other appraisers to go and do the work, which is extremely difficult because appraisers like working out of their house and uh, it's it's like the cost, the barrier to entry for opening your own appraisal business is extremely low. Because if you got your license, you can get on list and get deals. So my goal is not to build an appraisal business because it's it's taking up too much of my time and I'm going to try to shift out of that. So that's, that's what I'm working on now. And it's a process. It's been good to me. It's, 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 it's supplied money to pay my bills so far. But you're totally right. The quicker you can move out of that and into the high level stuff and, and building your processes out, the quicker you grow. But this brings us back down to you, what you explained that you're doing. And this is why I'm so grateful you came on sharing your story with people because you, everybody, you need to listen to this. You're essentially working how many jobs, right? But yeah. it's, <laughs> it's at the same time, you may be going, 
it, people are like, wait, you work three jobs and you're driving around in a $500 minivan? Uh, <laughs> but what they don't see is on the back end, though, you have multi-million dollar business. And yeah. you're like, it, it, it's what you're doing is you're choosing progress and you're choosing your future benefits and you're buying time in the future at the sacrifice of today. Yeah. That is a universal concept. Those that can sacrifice today, tomorrow, are rewarded not only in dividends, in dividends that most people can't even imagine. E- exponentially, absolutely. Exponentially. Yeah. yeah. And so and, you front load, though, that work. Look what you're doing. You're front loading yeah. that work right now. And two, yeah. you're doing what most people wouldn't do because they're like, that's not worth it, right? They're going, <laughs> you know, the, and that's what they do. People are so going, wait, you, AJ, you're still working three, four jobs? You still work holidays and weekends? And I'm like, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I have yeah, no plans yeah. on stopping. <laughs> yeah. I, the funny thing is, I love it. I mean, I, I did the nine to five thing. I sat in the cubicles. Yep. I worked for some great, some great companies and I was miserable. And it wasn't, it wasn't their fault. It was that it was such a misfit for me because I thrive on flexibility and I thrive on being able to take an idea and pursue it and add my own flavor to it, if you will. And so, you know, like some nights I'm up, I'm up typing an appraisal up near midnight, but during the day I got to go to my kid's school and spend time with them doing stuff. I get to pick my kids up from school every day. I get to, I don't wake up to an alarm clock. I just get up when I'm ready to get up. And you know, I'm like, there's freedom in a lot of this stuff. And so to me, I'd rather work, I'd rather work, you know, from 11 to 12 at night or from 5 PM to 12 PM and have flexibility in my day than I would go and sit in a cubicle and basically have my ideas stifled when I bring up a new idea. And so like my way is not for everybody and the nine to five way is not for everybody. It's different strokes for different folks. But I know this, like if I weren't doing this and I weren't doing the different jobs and had all these different ideas I was pursuing, I would be pretty miserable. So like to me, it doesn't, it's funny. I, I, I don't feel like I'm working now, even though I'm working a lot. Like I feel like it's just my hobby. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I love it. So now, I mean, I, but- why I don't ever see myself sitting on a beach doing nothing like even when i'm 80 i'm going to be working on real estate stuff because i love it, it. it well and too that stuff it, it it's about meaning yeah um, it is. and those that want more meaning in their life tend to be entrepreneurs those that yeah. want more meaning in their life want control things like that which i think a lot of us uh, virtually everybody does and i think for employers yeah. like me things like that it's my job to make sure because i know and i understand that my employees have a lot of meaning in their work um, because I understand that this path may not be for everyone. But yeah. with that same concept, though, it may not be for everyone. I think it's important to know that wealth, the path to wealth, is not only for everyone, but it is a certain path. There's Absolutely. not it, – it's not winning the lottery. It's not – there are absolute proven strategies that if you're following, you get wealth and freedom. And if you're not, you totally. don't. And, and it can – it can be had. It can be had by working a nine to five as well. Yes, it can. I am, cer- I am certainly not saying nine to five is not the right way to go. I'm just saying when I tried to go that way, it wasn't the right way for me. Yep. But it's the right way for some people. You could work a nine to. Let's say you have a nine to five that you love and you're great at your job. I don't think you should leave. I think you should stay there. But you can take your money and invest it in these ways, in these in these methods we're talking about. Throw it at a very high rate of return and change your financial future and your family's financial future by doing that as opposed to just sticking it in some you know mutual fund where you're getting five percent your fund manager is taking the majority of your profits you have other options you know and that's no, why I love, exactly. that's why I love this 
Exactly. And, uh, you know, like I tell people, a lot of people, so, um, you know, uh, Rock, who's our co-host on this, we've had so many talks about this. And he worked, went to school, started a business, everything like that. And when he finally had enough money to quit, we had a discussion. I'd be like, you would be an idiot to quit. Because you're ru- yeah. ruining the capital allocation stuff. And he was right. right. He worked for years after that. Um, yeah. Because, two, a lot of people, they're getting a higher return on their time doing the nine to five than they would get outside of it. Totally. So then why totally. would you ever quit? Because yeah, that exactly. capital yeah. needs to make wealth. And so yeah. you should work your nine to five, invest in real estate or these other means. You need to create a system, right? Working on someone else's system for wealth doesn't mean it's always bad. Right. Yeah. I know people that are making, you know, two hundred thousand dollars as salespeople and things like that. And it's like you should never quit because yeah. that capital to you comes at such a low effort or return. If you went on your uh, on your own, you would probably make 50 percent or less of what you're making today. Then you have no capital to turn and invest. So it's yeah. you're exactly right. The source of the uh, of the money or the source on the sideline, you have appraisal, I have interest, things like that. That may vary, yeah. but the wealth sure. creation process, you're exactly right. It's always yeah. the same. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing I wanted to, to, to bring up, we were talking about, you know, a lot of a lot of people that are searching for this deep level of, of purpose, they end up, you know, doing entrepreneurial things or whatever. Like for me, the reason to own the van that's that's older and paid for and be putting my money into this other stuff is because I want I want to I want to look back on my life and think that I helped as many people as I could. And I I see my I see my way at my channel and my path to helping people by compounding money at the highest rate I can and then giving back. Like kind of like and I I I stole that from Warren Buffett, you know, um he said he said he recognized that he believed he was better at compounding money than some. And so, and the guy has compounded money at incredible rates, like 21% a year. I think Berkshire Hathaway's compounded money. And it's, it gets incredible when you get up at the scale they're at. I mean, it's unbelievable. But and he's given his money away to the Gates Foundation and they're saving lives, fighting malaria and, and, and you know, trying to solve the problem of where waste goes and all kinds of stuff. I mean, think about how many lives he's saving by his business, you know, the work he's done in his business making good decisions with his business investments all along the way. And like, that's my goal. You know, like I want to, I want to, you know, have financial freedom. I want to do work I love and I want to try to help as many people as I can at the end of the day. And this is the path I see to doing that for me, you know? Yeah. This is also the guy the U S government called for a bailout. Uh, You know, it's it's, um, a lot of people and a lot of people don't, don't realize that when in the, what was it Carnegie, so in the Great Depression, the Great Recession, uh, the government did get bailed out by private people. So <laughs> that's um, so crazy. It's so crazy. But when you look at these systems of wealth creation and capital, we live in a capitalist country where yeah. things only get done through the proper allocation of capital. Governments don't intervene; they don't do it. So those yeah. of us that you know have not only the freedom and the choice, but you want to have deeper meaning. Capital is yeah. the tool by which we accomplish those things. Absolutely. And I agree. it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that, you know, if you learn how to use it, it's not just learning how to use it to make more money. You're talking about learning totally. how to use it to build the future, how to solve yeah. complex problems. And yeah. that to me is so exciting. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's really what'll, I mean, get you fired up to keep, keep going, you know, yeah. like, uh, for, 
I mean, there's there's only a certain amount of there, there's a diminishing return to making money past a certain point, you know. And you know, I mean, it's like sitting on. I mean, for me, for me, sitting on the beach and just having a bunch of money in the bank, my bank account, I feel pretty empty doing that. Yeah, it'd be fun to sit on the beach for a while, maybe a week, yeah. you know. But I don't want to sit on the beach for years. Like I would feel like I was. What am I doing here? So, so anyway, and I'm not. I'm not anywhere close to that. I'm just saying, like my goal, my long term goal, if this just continues to grow, is you know, I like what they're doing, trying to help a lot of people. And so that's what gets me excited about all this. And I just love the, I love the challenge and the process of all of it. So, so what do you think? Let's talk about this here. What are your next yeah. steps? You talked about your goals and you talked about, you're now doing an apartment complex. Are you moving yeah. all into that or where, where are you headed? Yeah. So, I mean, my goals, my goal all along has been to own apartments and do apartment syndication. So the whole reason I started the podcast was to connect with people, to establish rapport with listeners, to meet people like you, and um, and to grow myself as a professional in, in the real estate circles. And because I I, I love I love talking about th- these these type things, and 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 to do real estate syndication, I thought, you know, is it better to go to a local meetup and meet twenty five people, or to start a podcast that can be listened to around the world? And I thought the leverage is the same with real estate. The leverage you can use by using something like a podcast or getting on YouTube or Instagram or whatever, you're reaching all over the world. Whereas if you go somewhere in person, you're reaching those people right in front of you. So it's certainly not saying that meeting people in person is a bad thing. It's a good thing. But to me, like the podcast was a tool to help the growth and open up possibly, you know, doing syndication and that kind of thing. And, and the book, I, I wrote the book. I always wanted bucket list item for me was writing the book. So I just got the book out and it's um, it's titled Dream It and Build It, How to Crush Your Real Estate Investing Goals. And I just kind of documented the process of going from starting over investing to having the 3.5 million in, in you know, about 12, 12 to 15 months. And it's something that everybody can do. It's I'm, I'm not special. I don't think I'm special. I think I just followed a set of processes and worked really hard. And guys like you, AJ, you inspire me because you've scaled very quickly and you've got a lot larger portfolio than I do. I mean, I've got peanuts compared to a lot of people that are doing this and, but you've used, you've used these principles that like I see as a common thread with a lot of these successful investors. And it's like, anybody can learn this stuff. A lot of people don't have the, don't have the, um, I don't know if it's work ethic or, or the risk tolerance or what it is, or, they just, they just won't go for it. But I truly believe if you're willing to go for it and willing to work hard and you're willing to take these principles that people like you and some of these other really successful investors have laid out, you can do this too. You know, it's funny because I want to I hit on that. You know, we talk about why maybe other people don't do it. And there are so many, I feel like, weird, uh, almost myths to money and creation. Yep. And, and people are like, well, that's risky. And I'm like, your money sitting in your bank account is 100% guaranteed to lose money. There is no chance it's going to go up. There is no chance. Yeah, yeah. It is guaranteed to lose money. So yep. that's not risk. That's a guaranteed <laughs> loss. That's worse than risk. That's worse <laughs> yeah. than risk. And yeah, so exactly. th- these weird things that I, I, I think is, once again, a lack of education and a lack of understanding where yeah. people place the wrong thing. And they're like, oh, you took such big risks. And to me, I'm like, no, actually, I, I didn't take any risks. Yeah, exactly. You took all the risk and you lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and exactly. it was like, I just, I, uh, 
I simply obeyed basic principles of economics. Yeah. Nothing more. And everyone that does benefits from it. It's it's not it's not that oh somebody's a good gambler or somebody's got these great yeah. skills things like that. It's no. There is a way to create capital and there is a way to create wealth. Those two things combined. And two, the only difference was I was taught just like you and everybody else, mm -hmm. those that find it are taught, right? I was taught from my father as well as mentors as well as all these people. And then once you find out, it's like a magic door that you open up and yeah, you're just like, really wow, this works every single time. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's crazy. It's crazy yeah. that that's what capitalism is. That's how these yeah. towers, when you're walking down the street and you're looking up and you're seeing massive skyscrapers and endless housings and factories, these are all the exact same principles. Some yep. people are utilizing and some people aren't, but not yep. utilizing them is not a way to avoid risk. It's a way right. to guarantee your loss. Yep. The, the riskiest thing you can do is nothing. Yes. And, yes. and not, not, not for a time. Like there may be a time where you need to pass on investment, but yeah. the riskiest thing you can do over your lifetime is nothing. Like if you don't invest in anything and you just put your money in the bank, yeah, you'll probably have some money left, but it will have a, the, the spending power of that money will have eroded significantly. Yeah. As opposed to you being able to compound that and, and change your financial future. And it's it's honestly sad to me that more people don't latch on to this. Like, I mean, you, you were talking about your Kmart deal, the conversion of that Kmart to self-storage on my podcast, but you guys created how many million millions of dollars of value in that one deal? It was like it was two million bucks? Seven, seven million to 25 million. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. That's insane. Just one deal and you're using these same principles of finding something, doing value add to it. And that took a lot of creativity and, you know, risk taking on your parts, quote unquote. But man, and, I mean, but we weren't alone. But, and that's the thing. Was it, too. Was it worth it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It changed your and, life. I and mean, too, so. also, when we looked at it though, and you talk about risk taking, but when we chose that deal, it was because we're like, oh, well, yeah, of course. It, yeah, I mean, there right. was no risk. It was like you probably right, well, you probably ran your numbers. You probably ran your numbers, and you're like, "We can buy this for seven million. And how much? How much did you spend on your renovations? So we uh, here's how how it got broke down. The property. So we teamed up, and that's another thing. Also, we could do this on an island. And I say this a lot. Wealth is created. Yeah. We had a team, and uh, there was three of us. One was lived in the area and was really good at working with the city. Another was really good at technology, and we were mm -hmm. running the assets and the storage and all that kind of stuff. So when we came into it, um, we looked at the numbers and we said you could buy it for right around eight. We sold off the all the parking lot to apartment developers. That left us mm. with three. We did a what was that? A four million dollar build, and it was right around seven, seven and a half million. Um, and we knew that based upon a stabilized uh, stabilized rate, it would generate over a hundred thousand dollars a month. And um, we reached that in months. Um, That's insane. So yeah, yeah, we and are, you probably ran you probably one point five million next next year. That's incredible. You probably ran your numbers, and you're like. We can be all in on this for seven and it looks like it's worth 25. You're like, what, what, what sane person would not do this? Like, yeah, this it is... was a no brainer. And, and two, when people look at it also though, they're like, oh yeah, but that was risky. And I'm like, what was the risk? I, I don't yeah. understand the risk in this. Explain yeah. <laughs> to me what the risk was. Yeah. You know what I mean? You probably, you, you probably thought when you, when you actually looked at the numbers and discovered what you had in front of you, you probably thought, 
somebody else is going to is going to figure this out because this is such a great deal you probably scared like the second you saw it like we got to get this as fast as we can 100 you know I mean? we're like we're yeah. doing this let's get this done here's yeah. the money let's let's move <laughs> yeah take the money take the money hurry uh-huh. i've had some deals like that where i'm like i this seems like such a screaming deal i don't know why nobody else has gotten it but i'm thankful so and, well and two i think this is important to realize when people are like well no it's really risky if it would have been five years for me before, it would have been incredible, incredibly risky because yeah. I wouldn't have known. Right. I would have never even taken the deal. Yeah, Knowledge sure. gets rid of risk because yeah. with that yeah. deal, I've also looked at tons of Kmart's, bankrupt super Kmart's that we've passed on because we're like, no, that doesn't make sense. Yep. It, it yep. wasn't that it was risky or not. We identified reasons that we're pretty sure that's not going to work. And then we do the deals that we know will work. And it's the yep. knowledge that is the differentiator. When we looked yep. at that deal, it was, there was, uh, of course it could fail because we could get a recession, a meteorite could hit the earth. Of course, like those are things that I don't even pay attention to because they're so sure. far out of our control. But other yeah, than sure. that, it was going to work all day long. We could identify right. all the things that made it su- successful and failure. And just like you've talked about, that's a process. So you're now doing yeah. an apartment complex. Would you have done that apartment complex in Dallas five years ago? No, I know I wouldn't. No. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I'm still, it's funny because I'm still having to psych myself up to go do it now. And I know it's totally possible, but it's the mind, the human mind is a funny, funny thing. It's you, you have on one side, it's like on one hand, you think you're capable of doing these great things. On the other hand, you doubt yourself, right? And I think it's just like a constant overcoming of that limiting belief that you have. And I don't know where that stuff comes from, whether it's just that so many people around us say, well, it just can't be done, you know, and you just start listening to it or what it is. But it's like, I, I probably could have done an apartment deal five years ago. If I had gone, I didn't have the competence to do it. I'm still learning right now, but if I had gone and sought out someone who was competent and teamed up with them, just like you, you probably could have done the Kmart deal if you had sought that out. So now somebody who wants to do self storage that doesn't know what they're doing, call AJ, you know? And so, I mean, it's like, and, and if I want to do large apartment deals, I need to get in touch with somebody who's doing large apartment deals and team up with them. So it's, it's like, it's just a problem solving process of figuring out, okay, what do I want to do and what pieces do I have to put in place to get it done? Well, and I so. think that you you bring up something that's really, really important. Um, and I think people don't understand this. When they say, I can't do it, even if you're right, that's totally fine. Go find people that can. That's exactly, right, exactly. what we did. When we yeah. started out in self-storage, I didn't it's not like we all of a sudden knew everything about self-storage. Yeah, no. no, we had to go find people that knew. So be okay with your downfalls or, or shortfalls, identify them, and then go find other people to fill in the gaps. And, exactly. yeah. and you're right. We could have done the Kmart five years ago, right? And if that opportunity would have presented, we could have identified it. So it's about getting rid of those limiting beliefs, but yep. it's not even that you have to get them and you have to overcome and make yourself amazing. If yeah. there's a problem, yeah. fill it in with somebody else. You don't have yep. to be perfect. You don't have to be incredible. I'm not you're not, we're not geniuses, no. anything like that. If you surround yourself with enough smart people, good people, you can make these things happen. And this is Absolutely. all stuff you explain in your book. So it, it's really <laughs> one of those reasons, though, too. Seriously, you guys should read the book because oh, we talk you. about this knowledge and this process. That's what what we're talking about. You're putting down and you're showing people, listen, I'm not a genius. Nobody is. Just here's the process, right? Yep. It's repeatable. It's doable. And that'll allow people that are reading it 
to overcome those fears and give them direction. And then they're going to be able to identify opportunities, identify risks, and seek out help to solve problems that maybe you've identified in your, your book. And I just, I'm such yeah. a big fan of that. So seriously, thanks for doing the book and putting it out there. Oh man. Um, I'm, yeah. It's, it's been a blessing. I, I'm glad anyone is reading it. Um, it's humbling, man. It's humbling to, to have, have something, you know, that you want to do like a podcast or write a book and for it to resonate with anyone. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know how it is. I mean, you'll get encouraging messages about your podcast or whatever. And you're like, it just means a lot to you. You it know? Does. So no, I'm just does. thankful. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I like stealing that from Gary Vee. It's like, I'm just trying to be thankful for everything I have and I'm, I'm blessed with because it can disappear, yeah. you know, and I'm just thankful for today. And I'm thankful for anybody that's, that's uh, enjoying any of that stuff. So I appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. And you're exactly right. It's like, you know, you get, the review on your podcast or the email yeah. or something like that. And you're just like, wow. Okay. That it's encouraging. You want to do more yeah. And, yeah. and you want to do stuff. So no, that's yeah, absolutely. Hey, I got a question for you. Yes. What is, what does failure look like to you? Like, what do you, what would you define as a failure? Uh, Cause you, I mean, you're, you're extremely successful at what you're doing. And I know you've, I know you've had small failures along the way. Cause everybody, big failures. See, everybody does, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not really talking about that. I'm, what do you, what do you, what is, what would you say would be, would you consider a failure with your life? Like, what would that look like? You know, that's a great question. And for me, I'm one of those people that I, I think a failure for me is two things. First of all, I think it's the lack of not trying, but then mm-hmm. two, I think it's the lack of misprioritization. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, me and my wife talked about this a lot and that's why I'm so big on, I think, financial freedom, things like that, because mm-hmm. it's it's where I'm allocating for the future of my children. It's allocating yeah. time that I have freedom to spend with them. And it's making sure that if I'm spending my life, I'm spending all the time that I can on the most important things. Um, I'm a big believer in family business. I'm a big believer that we watch out for each other. Um, I work with my father. I work with my brother-in-law. I want to work with my children. Um, Mm -hmm. That's something that's important to me. And that helps me align my my, uh, my priorities. I, um, I love those that. that don't know, I'm a religious person and yeah. um, I, uh, that's in my priorities. So for me, yeah. it's first of all, if I don't do anything, that's a misuse of my time. And then I guess the other would be prioritizing that I've just yeah. done, it, done it wrong. And that that's why for me, it's hard to have a job because yeah. I'm giving my time to someone else. And that, that doesn't fit in with the priorities that I have for my life. Right. I love that, man. I think that's so good. What about you? I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm this, I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. I mean, not prioritizing my time and not trying are huge for me. I mean, that's why I'm, I mean, that's why I tried the college professor thing. That's why I've tinkered around with startups. That's why I tried the podcast. It's, it's not because, you know, I think I'm God's gift to business or anything. I just think, I got to try. I got to get out there and try. And, you know, Gary Vee talks about this. I'm a huge Gary Vee fan, if you can't tell, but he talks about this a lot. He's like, what's wrong with trying, trying 12 different things and failing at 10 of them? At least you'll know, you know, like, I don't understand what, what this fear of failure is all about. I mean, it, like to me, freedom is in being able to pursue things you think you're interested in, figure out if they're good for you or not and move on. And so, not trying would be a massive failure and then not prioritizing the things that are important. Like for me, 
making a positive impact with my life is like my number one thing. And that starts with my family. I'm also a religious person. Like it's, you know, my family and my church, my, you know, helping people I don't know, helping people I do know, like to me, that's what life's about. And so like, it would be a failure, a, a massive failure would be to pile up a bunch of money in real estate and just spend it on myself and die. That's yep. not, that's not what I want. So yep. that would be a failure for me. You know, but, it's, yeah, it's, it, go ahead. It, it, it's funny that you bring this up and failure is so key, like you've mentioned. And it just, I, 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 I too, I guess I don't understand um, the fear mainly because I've done it so many times. And I, we had a guy in that was like, man, everything that you touch is gold. And I just start laughing because I'm like, <laughs> you've like, yeah. obviously never seen this huge trash can full of failed ideas. Yeah. Else like yeah. that. Um, but it's just, because it doesn't really matter. It's just part of the process. I, I was in sales. I still am. And I'm like, yeah. you don't understand. I had to get rejected a hundred times to get one. Oh, yeah. I felt oh, yeah. that was just process. And I think that that probably helped me a lot was I just understood that when people said, no, you're an idiot, move on. I'm like, <laughs> yep. Okay. Sounds good. And I just, yeah. run. I'm like you Keep and moving. 99 other people are going to tell me that today. Right. Yeah. yeah um, and so it's yeah. it just didn't matter. And I've I've lost mass amounts of money where I've, uh, you know, almost took down my everything that my family's we've worked so hard to build. And it was incredibly embarrassing and humiliating. Yeah, and it sure. was scary, all those kind of things. But, you know, it led me to one other thing and another. And that's yeah. just just the process. Yeah, I remember uh, it's, it's funny you say that. I remember somebody telling me you're the luckiest person I've ever met. Like things just always work out for you. And I'm like, you don't have a clue, man. I was like, I mean, from my perspective, I, I've seen so many failures, you know, and like, they're just, I guess they're just keying in on the things that have worked, but yeah, like I, I see the whole thing. I'm seeing all the failures as well. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm being successful and failing at the same time at a lot of different things. And I'm just willing to keep going. So, uh, you know, and man, that's just so interesting because well, if anything, it's easy to look at, it's easy to look at people who are, things are going their way and think they're just lucky or whatever it is, but none of that stuff ever happens overnight. I mean, hardly ever. So, well, and two, it's interesting because you bring this up also is not only is it not looking at the whole picture or whatnot. One of the reasons I work so hard is because I, I know that tomorrow I can fail because I've done it. And totally. so for me, it's like, I need to have three different businesses. If I want to keep doing what I want to do, I need to diversify. I got to do all this stuff because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, in six months, we could have a podcast where I'm like, Oh, today's podcast is how I lost everything. I hope you guys want to still listen to me. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, that's just a natural part of it. And if you let yeah. that hold you back, then you just never move. I love it. I love it, man. Hey, well, thank you, dude. Seriously. Thank yeah, you. For no, dude, on. This been, it's been awesome. It I has loved been. It. Um, I love that last interview on my podcast and I love this one. So. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's just, I, I hope people like the format stuff. I just like hanging out and talking with you. I love your ideas. Yeah. I love what you're doing. Get well, out guys, you. read the book. Tell us where you can find you, where you can most importantly to find your book. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the easiest way to connect with me is on Instagram. It's at daily real estate investor, daily real estate investor. I've got my email on there. You can shoot me an email. Also send me a direct message. I love hearing from you. Um, and then the book is on Amazon. The digital version is only on Amazon. I did an exclusive thing with them, but you can get that on Kindle. It's it's up. You can buy that right now. The the physical copy will should be available as well on Amazon by the time this podcast comes out. Um, and it's also on Amazon as well as any other bookstore. You'll be able to order it. Um, 
Yeah, and the book is titled Dream It and Build It, uh, How to Crush Your Real Estate Investing Goals. So, um, yeah, man, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure, AJ. Thanks so much for having me. Really an honor. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you All soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more, and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.